what we are meeting as are these entities or souls or essences that are passing through a set of experiences and we are sharing consciousness as to the nature of these experiences and what their significance is to us as souls. And from that point of view, everything in your life is grist for the mill of the awakening of your soul. Out of its attachments to either the body or the personality or the astrological identity. Hello, amazing ones. Welcome to another Ramdas Here and Now episode. I am your host, Jackie Dabrinska, and as always, you are the Ramdas Satsang, this sacred community of people from around the world who have this bend towards expanding consciousness and learning to love and service and living on these many planes of consciousness simultaneously. Thank you for tuning in. So this is episode 234. It's kind of a fun number. It's called The Awakening of the Soul. And it's a talk from the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles in February of 1976, so not long after Ramdas got back from India. And it's this large L.A. audience, and there's just this really fun, unique vibe going on. And it's an amazing talk. I mean, it is, I say this probably every fifth episode, but it's one of my favorites. Um, and the reason I love this one so much is because he so clearly and precisely, with such insight, breaks down the things he refers to over and over again in um, lectures after this. So he breaks down um, very clearly the channels or the planes of consciousness. Um, he, in detail, sort of reasons why we're almost programmed to chase the highs and the rushes and really why it's so important to be open to um, the dullness or the darkness. Um, he also really helps us know what he means when he says grist for the mill. And he does it uh, in this way where we can't use it to bypass what's really going on. Um, and sometimes that can creep in when we get into concepts. And so I just really appreciate how he addresses all of those pieces. Um, the talk is real it's funny, and it's just brilliantly foundational. Um, and, you know, I've been, like many of you, I've been listening to this st stuff in his lectures for a really long time. And this one, like, I went out into my day and I had a different, I was standing in a different place after this lecture. So I hope you will also have such a great experience with it. Um, and I can't wait to discuss it with you and find out what happens for you. So sign up and be a part of our upcoming virtual fellowship um, where you can share your experiences and your take-homes and insights. Uh, you can find out more by going to ramdas.org fellowship. And when you're there, you can sign up for our general meetup. There's also several affinity groups that you can sign up for. 
And you can check out the map and see if there's a local group near you as well. There's lots of those growing around the world. Most of us are living on Channel 1, 2, and 3. And if you don't know what that is, you know, you're going to learn about it in a second. Very few of us are habitually living on other planes. And so it's really important for me um, that we offer care around each other's suffering. I want to let you all know about this very unique collaboration um, happening that I think you'll be really excited about. So Love, Serve, Remember Foundation is teaming up with alanwatts.org to bring together these two incredible cultural icons and these perspectives on Eastern mysticism for the Western mind. So over the next several weeks, we'll be bringing you some offerings, including this upcoming free live stream. It's called The Presence of the Way, The Dharma of Ramdas and Alan Watts. And uh, it's about an hour and 15-minute talk. It's free. We'll be joined by Mark Watts, who is Alan's son, um, Raghu Marcus, who you hear from from time to time, especially the first 200 episodes, um, and also Justin Beretta, who is of uh, the Glitch Mob. And we're going to discuss the dynamic duo's relationship and the intersection of Buddhism, Taoism, and Bhakti traditions, as well as things like the nature of the mind. And we're going to get some real inside scoop onto um, their relationship and perspectives. And it's really exciting to have Justin Beretta there. Um, because he's really put together some incredible musical experiences um, where he weaves in lectures from Ram Dass or he weaves in lectures from Alan Watts. And so it's like we get into these flow states and then simultaneously get these teachings. Um, and it really brings it to a contemporary audience. So he'll be on the call offering uh, musical meditation. Um, so please check it out. It's free. It's on September 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll have some live Q- live audience Q&A. So to find out more, go to ramdas.org slash alan-watts-ram-das-course. Um, so I'll say that again. If you don't know, Alan Watts is um, W-A-T-T-S. So again, it's ramdas.org slash alan dash watts dash rom dash dot das dash course um so as always we just thank you for being here now tuning in uh and a big thank you to all of you who donate because we really we couldn't be here giving these podcasts on a regular basis without your support so if you don't already please do go to ramdas.org slash donate and uh send us some love um also please take a second to listen to our sponsors because we would not be here without them as well and as always i hope you are well nourished by this episode and these teachings we give thanks to our teachers and our teachers teachers and whatever good may come from this may it benefit all beings in our daily lives and ripple out into the world for the benefit of all. So, here is Ramdas, here and now. Namaste and blessings. There are many levels at which this evening exists. For those of you that wish to be fed, have your intellect fed, we will dance with words. 
For those of you that wish to play with your heart, we will have some devotional, some bhakti components, some singing and some talk that touches those spaces. For those of you that wish to feed on the shakti and the love in nonverbal terms and just draw it in and rise with it, you are perfectly welcome to do so. For as I have said before, words are birds. They come and they go. And I don't ever remember a thing I've said. Mainly I talk to you, it's like cooing to a baby to get it to relax so it can happen, be it a sleep or a bowel movement. Now those of you that have a big store in the words may be slightly offended at this moment, but you can consume that or give it up to me. And we're going to talk about how you get rid of some of this negative stuff that keeps the process from happening. For those of you that just want to go up tonight, although if you don't hear what's said, you may come down again, just sit quietly, sit straight, and draw in through your heart and fill with what is here this evening. Because as you will later understand, not only on this plane, but on many other planes, there are beings gathered here whose vibrations are feeding you. The no journey we are talking about tonight involves you and we can put it many ways. I would be inclined to say you and God. You might want to say you and yourself. You might want to say you and your journey into formlessness. Your own liberation. Your enlightenment. Your realization. Your perfection. Your awakening. It's your trip. I am grist for your mill, nothing more. You can listen to me, admire me, worship me, fall at my feet, love me, hate me, be bored by me, be indifferent to me. It makes no difference to me, and it is all the stuff you have to work with. If it makes a difference to me, that's the stuff I have to work with. We are each other's karmic predicament at this moment. I am yours, you are mine. If I can eat you and you can eat me, we end up free. 
of the clinging to our reactions to each other. Too heavy? I'll go slower. You are in the following predicament. Now, when I say you, each of you defines who I am referring to in a different way. Some of you, when I say you, you think of your body. Some of you think of your personality. There are these different levels of perception of individual differences. The image that I usually use, which seems very vivid and clear and worth repeating, defines how you see reality, which is based on how you see yourself. And I usually do it in relation to a television channel selector next to your eyeballs. Set of the channel two. And the whole world is on the physical material plane material in the physical sense, bodies. And you look around and everybody is either an endomorph, ectomorph, or mesomorph, or tall, or short, or young, or old, or fat, or thin, or ugly, or beautiful, or bald, or big breasts, or little breasts, or whatever it is. And the world is composed of physical entities. This is the domain in which people stand on the corner. Yeah. That's a tough plane, I know. And for somebody who is totally dwelling in that, on that particular television channel, very often the orientation towards the world is totally in terms of physical gratification. And the world boils down to either people who are makeable, people who are competitors with you for people who are makeable, and irrelevant. That's the physical plane channel. Flip it one flick, and we're in the psychological domain, the Minnesota multiphasic personality inventory. We are now looking at happy, sad, achievers, anxiety neurotics, manic depressives, enthusiasts, spiritual seekers, eager, depressed, hearty, happy, sad, lucky, a whole lot of psychological attributes. And for many of you, that is the reality in which you live in and who you are is your personality. 
and you spend time analyzing it, therapizing it, patting it, damning it, feeding its guilt, its shame, its unworthiness. And it's very real. And the fact that you're in a physical body is somewhat irrelevant because it's all psychological. That's that channel. Flip one more channel. Ah, a whole new reality. Now everybody you see is in one of 12 categories. Or various permutations. There are Aries and Leos and Tauruses and Sagittarius. <laughs> and that's the reality of the world. And personality is merely a manifestation of astrology, as is physical body. You have focused your telescope, microscope, television channel selector on that level of individual differences of reality. Let's flick once more. Now it gets interesting. Because when you look at another person, if you look them in the eye, this is... Don't anticipate. If you look them in the eyes, you see in there another being looking back at you. Are you in there? Far out. I'm in here. How did you get into that one? <laughs> and you see an entity in an astral identity, in a psychological identity, in a physical identity, in a social cultural identity. And the being is looking often like they are in prison screaming, get me out of here. Now often, that being, you can see, if you can see that being in yourself, if you're identified with that in yourself, if you're lost in your personality, all you'll see is the personality level in the other person. You won't see beyond that. In other words, if the Buddha walks down the street and you're on the physical plane, you'll just see a bald man in a robe with a begging bowl. If you're in the psychological domain, you might see a nice compassionate fellow. But you wouldn't know the Buddha if you tripped over him. Unless you were the Buddha. Takes one to know one. <laughs> Flip, next channel. Now when you look into another being's eyes, it's as if two mirrors were looking at each other with nothing in between. It's you looking at you, looking at you, looking at you. For you've gone now to the place where there is only one of us. It's one of us in drag. In that sense, there is only one of us talking to itself tonight. But we're making believe we are the many. One more flick, and you disappear, and I disappear, and the camera disappears, and we have entered into God, or formlessness, or we have, we have transcended duality. For even the one is in duality.
Each of these channels is a total reality. It's a total universe. A person living in any one of these channels, especially in the physical or psychological realm, sees their reality as absolute, not relative. They see it as the reality. And if you happen to have drifted into the astral plane, your friends or parents say, come on back to reality. Be realistic. Which means, see the world the way I see it. And within that domain of perception, somebody who is considered psychotic is often somebody who has a reality that at least three psychiatrists disagree with. Now you see the predicament that anybody that is totally on channel two or totally in channel three, if you say to somebody in channel three, say somebody totally in the personality domain and you say to them, that's only relative reality. There are realms way beyond that. William James, for example, has said our normal waking consciousness is but one special type of consciousness whilst all about it parted from it by the filmiest of screens there lie other types of consciousness, each complete in their reality. They would say to you, that is an obvious defense mechanism. (laughs) For somebody that is in a reality, often has no escape hatches. It is a closed system. Somebody standing on the corner watching all the, whatever it is that watching go by, and you say to them, this will pass. See, there's one that doesn't want it to pass. <laughs> That's the reaction. No. What awakening is, is the recognition that the reality that you thought was sacrosanct was the only reality turns out to be only relatively real. So you are suddenly awake to the possibility that something else may be in the offing. And that is what draws us together here in the shrine auditorium. For we know something else is. Many of us don't know what it is. We know we have an itch. We don't even know quite how to scratch it. We know we have a yearning And we can't quite define it as neurotic, although we've tried. And we've had much support for doing so. (laughs) Many of us for years described it as drug-induced. Now, coming back to your predicament, 
the most productive strategy for this evening is to fo focus in on the reality for the moment, and we can go in either direction from there, where you are a soul, you're an entity. You are an entity that has an awareness. And I am also. And we are going through a set of experiences. You have yours and I have mine. We call it life. And we will call it death. From your point of view as a soul, as an essence, as a separate consciousness, what is the function of your life experience? From a psychological point of view, from channel four, channel three rather, from psychological point of view, the meaning of life is to get gratification, optimize pleasure, get as much as you can. And the more you can get, the better. Because physical channel two and psychological channel three are both philosophical materialists. And in both of those cases, when you're dead, you are dead, dead. And that's it, baby, so get it now. Is this too heavy, or are you with me, or...? From a psychological point of view, back in channel three again, you have been attempting to optimize your gratification and your pleasure and fulfill your desires. That's been the game. Now, lurking in that motivational system, that desire, is something that exists on all the channels up above it. For at the moment you fully gratify yourself, even for a second, in food, in sex, in power, in sense gratifications, in intellectual aesthetics, at the moment of gratification, you transcend your psychology. You can think of it most clearly in the moment of orgasm and sexuality. But it could be the cooking of a bouillabaisse and the first taste and ah, and at that moment you just went through on the taste. And in sex it's so obvious. It is two people making love. Here I come, here I come, here I come. Oh, there I went, there I went, there I went. <laughs> And that, that uh can be uh, or if you're good at it, it can be ah, or it can be just a long period of total rapture of no separateness at all. At that moment, there is transcendence. 
At that moment, you have just gone through the channels. You are separate souls with two bodies merging. You go beyond that and you are a consciousness with two separate entities like two hands clapping. And you go beyond that at a moment in the orgasm and there isn't anything. And then right after that, you come back down through the ladder, back into your neurosis or into your body or whichever level you want to stop at. <laughs> and you say, was I good? <laughs> and within that world of that reality, what we have attempted to do is to optimize how much we could get with the expectation that if we could get those rushes, those moments, closer and closer together, or more and more intense, we would beat the game. We would have fulfillment. For there is something in us that knows, that knows the harmony, the flow, the total uh, participation in the universe that a tree and a river and uh, snow is all part of. And we know that when we transcend our separateness, the illusion of separateness, our intellect, that reality, we flow. And we all, there's a place that yearns for that and we look for methods. And we know that when we're in the middle of a trip, cooking a bouillabaisse, knitting an afghan, whatever that trip is, we can get moments of that flow. So we get very creative, and this is one of the centers of such creativity, in optimizing the rate and intensity of gratification. If a bath is good, with bath oil is better. Bath oil and bath beads that don't leave a ring is even better. With another person in the bath is superior. Two people with stereo earphones with wine and cheese, by candlelight. No. More is better. If you take one sense and gratify it, if you could gratify all five senses and your intellect at the same moment, whew, wow. And many of the parlors along the streets here guarantee to do just that, I understand. <laughs> the other strategy of more is better is to get them closer together in time. Because if you can get them close enough together, the rushes, you will never notice the space in between. So you're in the middle of the main course and you're already thinking about dessert. So you won't have to have any lag between the main course and dessert. Dessert, it's the coffee. During the coffee, what do we do next? Want to go bowling? Okay. At the bowl drum, let's finish and get to that late movie. Okay. The movie, what do you want to eat after the movie? Okay. What do you say? Let's go home to bed. Okay. What's in the refrigerator? Okay. And so it goes. Rush after rush after rush after rush. And if you can get them in close enough, and all it takes is money and creativity to get the rushes in really close, <laughs> when you never have to notice there's any space. This is your life. 
But you are not gathered here because I am the Mortsal of the spiritual circuit. who you are that is gathered here in some rudimentary form for some of you and in a very evolved form for others is neither body nor personality, though that's all here, of course, but very much in the Hermann Hesse image, we check our minds at the door, we actually just put our bodies in seats, we honor them, we love them, and I'll talk about that after a while, about what one does with the physical plane. But what we are meeting as are these entities or souls or essences that are passing through a set of experiences and we are sharing consciousness as to the nature of these experiences and what their significance is to us as souls. And from that point of view, everything in your life is grist for the mill of the awakening of your soul. Out of its attachments to either the body or the personality or the astrological identity. For if I look at you, I see many souls imprisoned in mind stuff and literally screaming to get out of the prison which Gurdjieff refers to. How you got to this moment in which you and I can consciously share our predicaments as entities who are awakening out of the attachment to the illusions which we have been often lost within. How you got here is a result of everything that has happened to you in this lifetime. From a psychological point of view, many of you see your life as suffering and pleasure, and you remember the pleasures and you try to forget the suffering, and you see the suffering as a drag, as if only I hadn't had that, dot, 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 dot. Well, I say to you that when you are identified with you as a spiritual entity awakening, Everything in your life, pain, suffering, pleasure, all of it, has been and is and will be stuff for you to use in the process of awakening.
When you are still identified with the personality primarily, you want to get high. You want to go up and touch those places and experience gratification. When you are identified with the soul, you wish to get done with the illusion and you no longer cling to your highs because your lows are equally as valuable as your highs in awakening you. And that is a far-out shift in the perception of a human being. That makes most of the come-ons in society not work upon you as well as they used to. Because when you are really willing to acknowledge that you are an imprisoned spirit or an imprisoned entity awakening out of the prison, not to, not to deny or derogate the, of the other planes, but to not be caught in them, when you understand that and when you want it bad enough, when you yearn for it bad enough, you look around and you look at everything in your life and you say, is it getting me free or isn't it? And if it isn't, why not and what do I do about it? And that's called sadhana, or spiritual practices. As Gurdjieff said, you can't escape from prison until you acknowledge you're in prison. That's the awakening. That's my paraphrase. But once you have acknowledged that you have awakened, that there is an escape, that there is an out, then you bend all your efforts towards figuring out how to escape. Now, how hot you want the fire in this particular lifetime is a function of how desperate you are to escape, to awaken, to become liberated, to become realized. And lest, and lest, lest, lest you get lost in the term escape and s think it sounds like it's a negative statement about this physical plane existence, which I dig a lot, by the way, let me point out that what I mean by escape is escape from being trapped in any reality. You should, if you were who you are, if you allowed yourself to be who you are, you could play in this reality, or this reality, or this reality, or this reality, or this reality, at your choice. That is what liberation is. It means liberated from being entrapped in any specific reality. And believe me, it's much more fun to live in the world when you are free of the world. It's much more fun to face life and death when you are not attached to your identity as that which lives and dies, I'll tell you. Because otherwise you spend your whole life fearing death. And that seems like a terrible drag. For that which you are, which has gathered here tonight, although often in a rudimentary form, 
is way beyond that which is born and dies. You are packaged in that which is born and dies. And see, on the lower levels, back in channel two and three, death is very freaky. Because when you die, you ain't. So as you approach death, you hold on to the bedsheets and you say, doctor, doctor, save me. Implant, transplant, do what you must but save me. Keep me here. And then suddenly you're dead. And somebody says to you, hello. <laughs> and you, because of how you've been trained thus far in that lifetime, and since you're still that person, you say, well, I guess I didn't die. And the being assures you, you did. And for most beings who are primarily in the second and third chakra, that's it. They are totally confused. And they stay in confusion, which is often called purgatory, until they are programmed into the next run on some plane or other. For those of you that don't like reincarnation, just forget about that. Okay? It's, it's, it's too heavy for you. For a being like you, however, see, who is primarily still caught in your psychology and your body, but knows there's something else, and you've got this rudimentary thing, you'll get near death and you'll say, don't let me die, don't let me die, don't let me die, and you'll be dead. And somebody will say, hello. And you'll say, I guess I didn't die, and they'll say, yes, you did. And at that moment, these moments will flip back in. And the moments when you transcended, which you were conscious when you did in the birth, become real and you say, far out, all that was true. Okay. Can you hear? At that point, you then are a collaborator in the planning of the next dance. And you can, between births, do all the things that Yogananda's guru said you could do. Sri <laughs> Yukteswa. Now from a, again, if you're not into this, just let the next paragraph go by. From a reincarnational point of view, beings are taking birth into these packages and the beings are at different ages, different levels of um, readiness to awaken. So a young being that isn't really uh, been around very much and is really lost every time they get born and then die dead and then are lost and then get born again and they, die, they are lost during life and so on. They enter into the womb at the time of conception and by the time the baby is born, they're busy being a baby. They come out and they go, wah, and they, they yum, 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 and they're baby, baby. But a being who has been around a long time, an old being, says, well, I got to do this birth. See, I'll be born, uh, right. See, I'll be born in a uh, small African tribe and I'll be the poorest one in the tribe. That'll be good. I'll get a lot done that way. And uh, 
and I'll die of leprosy at 17. That would clean up the whole birth. I could clean up three things just in one. That'll be really good. Okay, ready? Here I go. Right? And then you find a suitable set of karmic predicament to do it into, and you enter in. And some of you are having those kind of babies now, not the ones that are looking for hardship necessarily, but the ones that are coming in who have been very conscious just prior to birth, and they come out of the womb looking around, just sort of stoned out of their heads. And you kind of try to get them to be like babies, but they're not quite. They're a little creepy because they're... Uh, I mean, imagine an old Tibetan Lama being born in the Bronx, for example. And all he wants to do is bless everybody and do all Monday Ped Me Hum, and he can't get the whole mechanism to work, right? He can't get his mouth to work, and he's just peeing and shitting. And everybody's saying, goo, 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 a little baby. And this is this old Lama sitting there, just a freak. I mean, just beside himself. Then very slowly, the doors close because, except for a very, very few entities ever, for the game to work, it's got to close in. If you didn't have any work to do in this plane, you couldn't get attached into this plane. The attachment is the work. And there are only a very few beings, which we will discuss later in the category of gurus and beings like uh, a Christ, who come down consciously without any work to do in order to be available to do something for other beings. But for the most part, the beings that incarnate have some work to do, and thus the veil must close. They've got to get lost into their attachments. You had to, in order for you to awaken, to who you've been all along, waiting for you to awaken. And the bizarre thing of the whole spiritual journey is when you get to the end of the journey, you realize you've been here all the time. For the journey is no journey, for nothing's really happening. You are only in the illusion of time. For God is not in time, there is no time, nothing's happening. It's only your identification with that in you which is in time that's keeping you rushing to catch up till you finally get where you've been all the time. But that's many levels of the television channel. And a perfected being is a being who simultaneously is on all the channels and is going nowhere and came from nowhere and has never been or will be or has never not been and is at the same moment washing the dishes and putting out the garbage and has it all together in truth on every level. That's good. Who simultaneously looks at the universe and sees the total perfection of everything, including the suffering, and at the same, simultaneously, looks out on this plane and sees the incredible amount of suffering on all these planes of form, and is motivated by compassion to do everything you can to end the suffering. And the spiritual strength to be able to simultaneously see the perfection of God and work full blast to end the suffering without damning God, that's the spiritual conscious being. That is what's known as discrimination. And when you have seen in your own life the way in which the suffering is the fire of purification, that only when you are lost in your psychology 
Do you damn your suffering? When you are a soul yearning to get free, you use your suffering and you use your pleasure, you use it all to get to God, to get liberated, and you begin to notice that your suffering awakens you more than your pleasure. From a psychological point of view, you are then called a masochist if you seek out the suffering. So you don't seek it out because that wouldn't be true on the plane of psychology. But when it comes along the pike, you don't knock it. Ah, cancer, far out. As a being in a body, and the body is the temple of my soul for this incarnation, I will do my best to heal it, but I will work with the cancer also, and I will work with whether I am healed or not as a vehicle for awakening. A conscious being uses everything. Nothing goes down the disposal. Even the moment of death, in fact, especially the moment of death, is the most profound moment of the incarnation for growth and awakening, when you are ready to use it that way, when you don't get too lost in your mellow drama. And that is what the game is, extricating yourself from your mellow drama. So you stop creating more karma for yourself. And that is all by way of introduction. <laughs> now, this podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.